Well, welcome everybody. We have another edition of our virtual Ignatian Conversations as we're taking things online but wanting to keep the conversations going. And I'm excited to, uh, to be here today uh, with Mr. Doug Brown, one of our uh, resident poets, expert Ignatian people. Uh, we've been doing a number of podcasts together and I'm excited to have this opportunity to talk with him around the creative process, around poetry, around how those ways of being help us to discern who we are and what we're supposed to do in our lives. So. I really believe in an unfinished product almost, you know, as the human as the unfinished product and the poetry or the art is a way to try to refine either the way I'm thinking about a subject or the way I'm trying to approach a subject or think about it on a deeper level than just like our surface everyday um, conversations or interactions that I can elevate that conversation a little bit. And in that elevation, there has to be like this moment or a series of moments, I think, where I need to think about what I'm trying to say, because ultimately the art is gonna live on its own outside of me. And so if I'm putting it from uh, putting what's been inside of me, in my heart or in on my head, on a sheet of paper, then they have to be able to decipher those things. And emotions and thoughts are not easy to decipher for anyone, right? And so uh, the process uh, of discernment, sometimes as a poem, it looks like a finished product, but I really think it's an unfinished product and, you know, there are poets who have ideas about things and who think deeply on things. And later in life, they think about them again and they revamp what they thought about. So like John Milton, for example, wrote sonnets about growing old when he was young. And then when he was old, he rewrote those sonnets. And if you look at them side by side, they almost contradict one another as they should, right? Because, uh, one was thinking about the experience of, of being elderly and one was like in the full know of being elderly. So mm. it's things like that, that I like to remember. Mm. <laughs> no, no, it gives me hope. Absolutely. I, I, that makes me think so much of, I, and why I think it connects so well with this, this kind of idea of Ignatian discernment, because one of the gifts that St. Ignatius gives in spirituality is that ability to really pay attention in each moment to right. what's going on, right? And the struggle often to put that into words. I think when you're meeting with somebody in like a spiritual conversation for the first time, and uh, it can be helpful to tell people, you know, it's gonna be a struggle to talk about God or your relationship with God, because those aren't things we're used to talking about, right? And it'll take right. a while right. to find the right words. And that's kind of an interactive uh, spiritual process that relates so much to what you're talking about with poetry. Um, yeah, I think uh, you talked about um, the interior movement that Ignatius refers to, and I, I, that's like a beautiful way to see a poem. And I think so many people approach a poem thinking that the poem says and knows all, but most of the time it's the poet trying to figure it out. And this, their language is talking about the world that's in front of them 
or the world they've been thinking about, but it's really just a figuring it out. And and it's like those those old masters, the way they sound, you know, like uh, you know, the poet like uh, W. H. Auden, S. Eliot, they sound so convincing in their in their language, but it's really them trying to figure out their own interior and how that paying close attention, turning those details of their life into, into image mm-hmm. is really helpful in them trying to figure it out and to connect to people. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing is how do you connect, you know, to that for me, I have found solace in a poem or poetry um, mm-hmm. to be still connecting me, you know. No, absolutely. Well, I think that, such an important point about how we're able to connect in these ways that aren't the traditional ones of being in physical uh, contact with people. And something that I think Ignatius relates very much to Ignatius's life, um, because in the uh, other episode, we talked with Christian Estran about daydreaming and how much Mm -hmm. that early part of Ignatius's life in recovery was using the stories of other people, life of Christ, Mm -hmm. the lives of the saints, and then his own imagination. Right. To, to build a connection, right? And then over the years, all the ways that he listened to other people's spiritual experiences and that, and his own, gave him the basis for kind of what became the spiritual exercises. So too, poetry provides a, this powerful example for us to peer into the souls of other people, for them to kind of, for us to see them working out who they are and what their relationship with God is. So I think that's another powerful resource uh, that's so timely for, for people to kind of deepen in who they are in their relationship with God. And then these questions ultimately of discernment. I did a reading this weekend on Instagram and um, you know, you're basically alone or if somebody's in the room with you, but then you're reaching out to like hundreds of people who are online at the same time. Uh, and it's a, it's an interesting feeling. Yeah. Poetry can move many folks. Um, and even though like, you know, you feel alone with the whole thing, even the reading of it, you might feel alone, but at the same time, so many people are vibing there with you uh, because of what you put together. And so like, you know, there's this old model of the writer where the writer's alone in a cave <laughs> or in their rooms uh, in the dark or barely lit light and hunkered over a desk and agonizing over a desk or this idea of like the tortured artist. But a lot of those things are old and a lot of artists are more and more so are needing community to be in and are having a hard time with this kind of solitude and you know and i do think you know writing does need solitude and there is a certain part of loneliness about it uh necessary loneliness that you go through but uh because you have so many stories that you hear kind of like what you were saying with ignatius that we don't often take the time to pay attention and that's the kind of solitude you need is just to to move away so you can pay attention to the things that have been presented to you. Because if not, if you're always amongst community, as you know, uh, it's just like you're bombarded with stories and bombarded with things and you never get to really sift through it. And that's the 
discernment, one of the older etymologies of it is to sift, right? Mm -hmm. To sift through the things that you have through it. And, and that sifting takes time. And mm -hmm. a good poem, a poem that you craft, a poem that you work on might ask some questions and, and you see the writer and the poet sifting through what, uh, what's been on their mind or what, what is ailing them or what they're rejoicing in or what they're paying attention to. You know? Right, right. Yeah, why don't you read us, uh, read us something? All right, so here is, um, I'm gonna read you this poem. So this poem, uh, it's gonna get published at UC Irvine's Fault Line. This is called An Abad for the Unexpected. An Abad is a, is a morning poem. It's a poem written in the morning uh, in celebration of the morning. Most of the time it's a love poem. Um, and this is a love poem of sorts. Abad for the Unexpected. Sometimes she seizes me when I'm cooking or handling the baby in a manner I should know better. For goodness sake, cover her head. It's cold out. Even today at morning's break, the floor creaks mom back, away and meddling. Can you visit later? Although I'm too old to be spooked by any specter, Family history reminds how one granddad abandoned my father at the sight of a body floating through thick night, while another granddad embraced the Pentecost so fully he claimed to witness the holy descend upon his baloney. Think a scarcely traveled road, apparitions ambling amongst Mississippi alms, or think a hazy glow resting on cold cuts, unexpected grace upon a meal. Some mornings I laugh, some I pray. I do what it takes to tell myself all good. I custom control, master and remix deflection until a friend's drawing somehow appears in my notebook to tell me otherwise and peeking between her sketches, my dead mother captured in ink. This dark drawing, this imminent morning slaps. You are living without parents. And there is no drama, no wind, no maelstrom, nothing but my newborn cracking this quiet. And I go to the baby, Offering patience and ease. You're all right, sweet girl. You're all right. My faint whispers, an extra blanket. Guaranteed the child's sleep will last an hour more. In this barely lit day, so much mistaken for cold. But nothing I conjure. My mother's talent to make peace with the unwieldy, for goodness sake, boy, for goodness sake. Mm. 
Thank you. So there's like a an I an example of not knowing or being like kind of overwhelmed by so many things that can just fall upon you mm-hmm. in the morning and uh linking them to all of these other things, mm-hmm. you know, and like the idea of discernment and thinking about how I wrote this, most of the time sometimes I just go and, and let the spirit take me where it's gonna go and there are other parts that you come back to and you really craft um and really kind of refine because somebody might not understand it somebody might not know so reading this i've read this to to my wife and to others like in a small little workshop group and there are parts that you have to refine so the meaning really conveys that initial thing that you're trying to say and i guess what this poem is trying to say is that i don't know Mm. and that i when i think i know that's when something happens and or i think that i'm feeling fine or when i think that i'm all good something will happen or remind me to say hey maybe you're not all good but you're not alone with this Mm. you know what i mean you're and, and that's the like that process of discernment happening again, this process of trying to be real and honest with myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess that's kind of like a, a an Ignatian thing of discernment. You could tell me about that. No, no. I mean, there's a couple things I think just there. Uh, one that you just, what you're speaking about, uh, Doug, about how much we're informed by our experiences and by how we've been shaped by our, our own history. And it's such an important part often to go back and to be able not only to know, but to own our history, you know, that was a key part for St. Ignatius, right? He came from a very particular type of family with expectations and for him, not, it wasn't that he was rejecting that or his own way of life. He was changing who he was, keeping all of his old determination and his sense of kind of uh, ambition, but now shaped in service right. of others, right? And, and I, in your poem, I mean, it, it captures so much, all these different people and voices right. who've made you who you are and who exist there uh, to be shaped and to be owned in a different way. Um, yeah, and that, that idea, like you said, about paying attention and paying attention to our own histories, I, I guess that's the other thing about the poem is that we tend to walk around and not thinking that our past and our our families still affect us, right? And, and and not to say that that we are beholden to like the mistakes or the sins or the joys of those people, but somehow they are working through us, right? And again, we get so caught up in our everyday that we fail to see like these little things, like you know, in writing this poem. I've thought about my grandfathers, like all of a sudden, like what they would say about ghosts, mm-hmm. what they would, what I knew them to know. Like one grandfather I never knew, but the thing that everybody who did know him, the thing that they say about him is that he was a scary man and that he saw things. He saw ghosts. He saw, you know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't like to be out at night at a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. my other grandfather who I did know was a, was a preacher. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, I think what I love about the po your poem, poems and also art in general is the way they can help us see that in just an everyday item, there's a world of meaning and possibility. From right. the cold, cold cuts and the bologna to you standing there holding a child, right? And it's like just a moment, but it opens up into all of these other things. Right, right. Uh, You're right. And I would say that about any art. Any yeah. art does that and gives us that good glimpse. And, you know, we tend to want to overanalyze and say, well, this equals this and this equals that. But it's really just like that, that process that you said, how it just like gives you the glimpse. And if that opens it up, mm -hmm. we don't need to know if it means this or that in particular. All we need to know is that it gave me an emotional feeling to now go back and think about my own self, my own grandparents, my own, um, the way I connect with spirits in a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's absolutely. all That's all my ever intention was. Yeah. Find that in me to give to somebody else. You know? And it's through that process that we are able to get a better sense of what's going on inside of us, to tie back to these interior movements that help us discern because they key in, not some like deeper tr truth, but they, they say, hey, there's something resonating here. There's something right. speaking to me. And in Ignatian discernment, you want to pay attention to those things, right? Because there's, a, there's something in that process, in that feeling that we believe in, that God is pointing us to something. And we have to sit with it, listen with it, work through the words, and, and see where it's pointing. Um, right. You know, I think about um, any tough decision people have to make. I think just sitting down and letting go and to write about it in a not so much a linear way, but in a way that might be more creative is going to help people make a decision about it. And even put yourself, it allows you to even switch places. You know, you could think about the decision in a multiplicitous way instead of just saying, well, if I go A, B, and C route, well, no, there's D route and E route who are affecting what the situation might happen or a slash point 2.0 route that might go and change this direction if you go. And, and, and sometimes we forget to think about all of those things and to write or to create art is really helpful. And because art is all sometimes asks you to shift point of view, right? Mm -hmm. To shift your perspective and, uh, sometimes and even like a poem like that where it's written in the second person is a way for me to get outside of my own self mm. right if i write it too closely from the first person or too far removed from the third person i might not want to deal with some of those things but a lot of the poem had to address you know that point of view had to address and and almost like guide me through the whole thing, you know. That's the beauty of art. It's beauty of art, for sure. Uh, do, you, do you have one more poem for us? If, if sure. We, yeah. yeah. Um, that uh, It's called A Lullaby Becomes the Grace on My Daughter's Forehead. And initially, the poem was... Um, written for 
it was going to be my newest daughter, who is two now, the first poem I wrote about her, right? But it really became a poem that was telling me something about my older daughter and the fact that just as a father, that uh, how how do I give space to them to make decisions, to grow and to become fully realized people? This lullaby becomes the grace on my daughter's forehead. And when it warbles and then gets down, and then this night night, this bass note joins the others, strings and brass hollowing her, sax solo in unison with chimes, head nods, snapbacks, and damn good daddy vibe. And it closes my eyes too, and lulls to when a writer tells me his mama spent her entire life trying to kill her own daddy. Her heart, not a harp, but lost, taken from jump by a man to guide and love every step she regarded, and then there came a time when her journey, her damned journey warbled too and moved without applause to cleave the sin of fatherhood so no host of men would tell her body to leave or when to go astray or when to let her own crescendos and whirlwinds salute the world. Her own melody and ligatures bound to life. Mm. Thank you. Uh, It's a a little bit of a different one. It kind of gets a little dark. But again, I I think... uh, the necessity again again this this is the discernment part of it, like in writing that you I had one way that I was going, and then you know mm-hmm. someone told me a story, mm-hmm. and it totally took the poem on a totally different direction, mm-hmm. and I think it went in a direction that I needed mm-hmm. versus like okay i'm going to give this poem to my daughter it's about her going to sleep, but no it's like well what what are you to take a colloquial term what are you sleeping on dad yeah, yeah. you know you're sleeping on that the fact that your gro- daughters are growing mm-hmm. and becoming their own yeah. <laughs> you're trying yeah. to over be you know put them in that patriarchal world again yeah. that they yeah. Rebuke, yeah you know so when i felt that in the poem this sense of uh, kind of the movement and how how steady we are or how sometimes we wobble or we move or we there's a process and um, how, how to you, that point of like, how much are we able to notice what's stirring for us, right? Mm-hmm. And how often, and this, this is the case, whether it's teaching or ministry or just relationships with others, how much are we aware of what we're putting on to other people versus what's actually going on for us, right? Yes. Because what Ignatius and discernment really wants us to pay attention to is what, what's, What's moving for us? Not what we think we should do, not what we think uh, other people want us to do. Um, 
And until we're settled, until we know those movements, until we're able to really put words to them and own them as who we are, we can be pushing them out on other people or ignoring things that are right in front of us, right? Right, right. And that's the thing about um, writing or any art. It's really active. You know, it's an activity that makes you start to deal with it. Because I like that. You're right. If you don't start to deal with it, we just start putting it out on anybody else. We blame people. We point fingers. But the idea of sitting down, writing it down is an activity that starts to, we start to figure it out and start to ingest it a little bit more because we see it. We see it and we take it back in. You know what I mean? Before it's just kind of like huddled deep, deep inside of us. No one to see, not even you. Right. And so once it starts getting out on paper or canvas or music, or however, mm. you know, whatever art form it takes, you start to see it and it becomes real mm. and, and it starts to inform you and you try to fix it up because you want it, you want to say the right things. You want to, uh, you want to move towards knowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Towards yeah. Whether, and whether the poem or whether you get fixed in that one poem, it might move. It might move you towards another poem yeah. than another because you is it's not going to get fixed in one poem, as another poet told me once. <laughs> like you might have to write. It's not going to get. He told me actually, it's not going to get fixed in one book. <laughs> I was like, man, am I that messed up? <laughs> Well, that's the reality of the richness that we all have inside of us, right? To tie back to that complexity of all the people, the generations that stand who've made us who we are, and all each moment that we live every day, the possibilities that are there. And often not, and what I love about poetry, what I love about spirituality, what I love about art, it is how it helps us see the gentleness of yeah, that yeah. beauty that's there. And I love the two terms that you have right there in the, in the title, right? The lullaby and the grace. Mm-hmm. Because how often, if we're really able to pay attention to the interior movements and really able to listen to the soft, gentle voice mm-hmm. of the lullaby, we'll see that grace that God right. is opening up for us today and every day. So this is a newer poem and another Obad. I've been writing all these like Obads. I don't know. The more I've been doing something for me, I guess, cause I, I have a little one and I'm up earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. What should you know here? I, I'm just going to read it and we'll chat about it. Sounds good. Obad for gratitude. Blessed be the flower corpse, tall and wide, reaching toward morning. Blessed be any creature, bulb or blood, learning to rise up from soot. Blessed be ground cover, rich soil and nutrients, sheltering memory for protection. We remember golden joy and out loud laughter postpones pain and thirst but good lord blessed be a thirst when a flower droops dried remembrances stink and that'll learn you how not to heed haunts 
and the will it takes to say dead mother and go on living bless be that too nothing stops her empty warnings what will you do when i'm gone but hold any answer silent embrace the steady wave patience maneuvers upon when thoughts get hold of grief when words skim out of control across your live tongue pin them before they stir bless be a song the morning song resembles a body on fire a body consumed by worship not a malady but a melody you croon by heart eyes closed in plea or amen bless be an amen dancing a covenant of care amen or caress amen take what can't be undone toward rejoice so when the first light softly offers you don't dare run or hide Thank you, Bob. Amen. Amen. Oh. <laughs> appreciate our time here. Yeah, this is that was powerful. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate it so much. I think in each one of those poems and all that you do, an invitation to pay attention to what's happening for us and how we can turn those moments to grace and rejoicing. So it's been a pleasure yeah. to be with you this morning. Thank you. And Thank you. look forward to being in touch again in the future. Appreciate it. Peace. All right. All right. Thank All right. you.